Welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. And today on the show, we're talking about apartments. Apartments and what place do they have in property investors' portfolios? Now, it's really interesting. Because cities are becoming more dense, we are seeing more apartment blocks in those major cities, in Wellington, Auckland, and even in Christchurch as well. And what's really interesting is many property investors are now considering what part do apartments play within my property portfolio at all. And so what we thought we'd do is we'd look at the numbers as we usually like to do and look at what the data says, particularly about capital growth. Because one of the things I sometimes hear from investors is, well, if there's no specific land allotted to my apartment, how is it going to increase in value? And actually, just before we get into it, why don't you explain for us, Andrew, how the land underneath apartments is divided, or I should say not divided, between the owners? Yeah, it's really interesting. And I had this conversation with an investor just last week. And in this case, it was actually a townhouse, but it was through a body corporate. So actually, his unit did have some land allocated to it, but it was, you know, like with a cross lease, it was a part of land of a larger development. With apartments, you are buying airspace a lot of the time. You know, you've got the land underneath the building itself. And as we know, land is what goes up in value. But actually, it's a somewhat of a misconception because the cost of construction does increase and demand increases as well. And so the building on the land doesn't depreciate, it tends to go up in value. And this is why in 2010, the government took away the depreciation on buildings because of that very fact. And not all apartments are created equally. So, you know, you might have an apartment complex where there's 500 and you might have one with 50. And obviously that land is divided up either by 500 or by 50. And so that changes things a little bit as well. But I'll come back to more of that at the end. Yes, so you own an undivided share of the land underneath it. Now, what's really interesting is despite that, apartments have grown in value over time, as you can expect. And the reason behind this would be not just because of the value of apartments themselves, but of course, if let's say that the price of houses was increasing and the price of apartments were staying relatively static. Well, of course, eventually we would have what's called a substitution effect where people who were looking at houses would say, well, those are really expensive. I could live much more cheaply and purchase an apartment. Now that would increase the demand for apartments and push prices up. And so you do tend to see apartments and houses growing at the same time, but they do increase at different rates. Now, what I should mention as well is that we have seen some significant growth, particularly in Auckland two-bedroom apartments. The average value or the median value of a two-bed apartment in Auckland back in January 2000 was three. 114,000. Now the median value of those same apartments, so this is not including any new apartments that have been built or been made available over the last 20 and a half years, that's increased by $823,000. So you've seen some significant growth in that instance. I mean, this was replicated all over the show where you've seen for one bedroom apartments, not as much growth, but certainly a couple of hundred thousand dollars worth of gain in those apartments. So apartments do increase in value but they do so at a slower rate. And I've got some rules of thumb for you, which is really interesting because I've been looking across the four major cities, so Auckland, Hamilton, Christchurch, and Wellington as well. And there are some 
broad trends that I've picked up over this 20 years worth of data. What's really interesting is across the three major cities, if you compare a two-bedroom residential dwelling, so like a standalone house, or sometimes townhouses are categorised as that, it, it can just be a bit here or there based on how councils qualify or which category they put townhouses in. Sometimes they're flats, sometimes they're residential dwellings. There has been pretty consistently 25% less capital growth in this data set, which I admit, it's quite a small data set, so I don't want to read too much into it. But across the three cities, there has been 25% less year-on-year capital growth of two-bedroom apartments versus two-bedroom residential dwellings. So that means that if the annual growth rate on a two-bedroom residential dwelling was 5%, the two-bed apartment was growing at 3.75% every year. And this probably goes to the point that we would often say to investors that apartments, generally speaking, would be higher in yield than they are in growth. So whilst you might be sacrificing a little bit of growth for this asset in your portfolio, you generally speaking might get a higher yield for that type of asset. And so this could be really useful for someone who was in retirement and so they didn't have a mortgage on this because they'd paid cash for it and so they're really looking for a higher income. Or if people are adding yield properties to their portfolio to help positive income compensate for the properties that are higher in growth, which are costing them a little bit of money per week. That's correct. And so just to put some numbers behind as well, so in Auckland, two-bed apartments grew at 24.6% less year-on-year average growth. Down in Wellington, it was 19% less. And in Christchurch, it was 22.8% less. So general rule of thumb, based on this data, if you were trying to forecast the capital growth of your two-bedroom apartment, you'd look at whatever you think a two-bedroom residential property is going to grow at. Maybe it's 5%. You'd knock 25% off. Ballpark rule of thumb, based on a small set of data, but the best that we've got in this case, because I haven't seen anybody else put this sort of data out on the internet. And if you do want some numbers around that, normally we would use uh, what we think is a conservative growth rate of about 6% in Auckland, so 25% off that for an apartment. And if we were talking about anywhere else, so long as it was a major city, so Christchurch, Wellington or Hamilton in this example, maybe a 5% growth rate for a regular house, minus 25% of that if it's an apartment. Now, the other interesting thing I've been looking at is well, what about one-bedroom apartments? Because there have been a lot of these being built, both in Auckland, I've seen some in Wellington, and even down here in Christchurch as well. We've seen some of these smaller sorts of apartments being built. So how do they compare? Well, you may recall that a couple of episodes ago, or it might have been about, you never know because we record so many now, Andrew, it was probably about 100 episodes ago now. <laughs> we talked about that one-bedroom apartments go up at about, I think I said about 30% less than two-bedroom apartments back then. And that's true. One bedroom apartments do grow in value more slowly than two bedroom apartments or other sorts of of buildings. Now, if you use the same rules of thumb and compare it to a two bedroom residential dwelling, it's on average somewhere between 40 to 45% less capital growth than a two bedroom residential dwelling. So in Auckland over the last 20 and a half years, it was 45% less, 39% less in Wellington and 40.6% less in Christchurch. So again, general rule of thumb, you're looking somewhere between 40 to 45% less capital growth than a two bedroom residential dwelling. So what I'd usually say is, again, simple maths, just halve it and say it'll be a little bit more than that. Now, the reason 
that I actually wanted to record this episode is not just because I like the numbers, but I have been seeing some claims and Facebook advertising from developers and financial advisors who are forecasting or are seeming to suggest that the apartments that they're selling or recommending would increase circa at 6.5% every year. And they won't say it in those terms necessarily, though sometimes I've seen it, but they might say, you know, invest in a suburb that's growing at 6.5% per year. Now, of course, just because the median value or medium sale price in a suburb like Monaco is increasing at above 6% a year, doesn't mean that the value of that apartment is going to increase at 6% per year. And that's the key point here. That's why I want to give you some ballpark rules of thumb based on the best data that I've got in front of me at the moment. So just using those rules of thumb, say you invested in a two-bedroom apartment and you wanted to get 6.5% capital growth every year. Well, how quickly would two-bedroom residential properties or residential dwellings need to increase in value in order to get that 6.5%? So after we knock off the 25% off discount that would expect, well, that two-bedroom dwelling would have to increase at 8.7% every single year in order to be able to, you know, over the long-term average, to get your 6.5% on the two-bedroom apartments. So it might happen, but in my opinion, unrealistic. And then similarly, let's say that we only knock off 40% growth for one-bedroom apartments versus those two-bed residential dwellings. Your two-bedroom residential dwelling would have to increase at 10.8% compounding year on year in order for you to get that 6.5% capital growth on a one-bedroom apartment. So again, it's just not really going to happen. And so you've really got to be careful if you're investing in apartments and hoping for growth or looking for capital growth because really it's a yield investment. It's not a capital growth investment as much as some people may try and tell you otherwise. Correct. And we coined this data abuse and we're, uh, on the it's show we're very upset with this kind of thing. And just the last thing I want to leave you with is that not all apartments are created equally. There are so many different things that I consider when I'm looking at apartments before I recommend them to people. And some of the things that I look at is how many units in the whole complex. If there's 500, there's a high probability that when you put yours on the market in 10, 15 years time, there's a number of others there. And if they're all exactly the same, then that can be a bit of a challenge to get a premium because you've got competition there. I always look at the size of the unit and you can have a one bedroom apartment that's 30 square meters and you can get one that's 100. And so if you've got a more limited size, not only is it going to be harder to lend against, but it is really going to affect the resale. And so you might want to use a higher discount rate there. I look at things like how specific to investors are these because often investors invest in an apartment because of the higher yield and maybe the cheaper entry price, maybe in places like Auckland or Wellington, for example. If they're dual key, then again, you need to consider that this probably is an investor product through and through. So you're going to sell to another investor and it almost becomes like a commercial transaction where there's a cap rate at that stage. I look at the type, i.e. the number of bedrooms and the number of bathrooms, and I really look at things like car parks as well. And then finally, I always look at whether or not it's suitable for the area and the type of tenant that it's going to attract. So apartment complexes, which are you know a bit further out from town, probably not going to be as desirable as an inner city apartment. Absolutely. And I think that I don't want you to be scared off apartments necessarily because I think they make great investments if you are if looking, it suits you. Yeah, if it works within your portfolio, you're looking for something that's a bit higher yielding, perhaps has less growth, it's going to work great in your portfolio in that instance. Specifically, if you've got a sizable portfolio, you're transitioning to yield. 
going to work great again. But just know what you're getting. And it, don't be subject to data abuse. Exactly. Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Really helps us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you've got an idea that you want us to talk about, text us. Our number is 5522. And it doesn't even need to be a podcast suggestion. You might just have a question for us. Give us a text. It comes through to Andrew and I, and we will text you back. We're really excited about this because it's meaning that we're able to have a two-way conversation with you. Obviously, Andrew and I are sitting here talking into our microphones, and that's lovely, Andrew. But I can't wait to have that two-way conversation with you guys and be able to chat back and forth. So pick up your phone. Give us a text. We can't can't wait to hear from you. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. I'm going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 